0: else has already said it best. This is the best, the best
1: The best ones aren't as good as you probably think they are. What is best in life? I did the best I
2: could. Doing my best. That's the best.
1: Best the best, best the best, best of the best, best of the best. best, 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 best.
0: hello hello and welcome to best of the best podcast with myself Connor Keys alongside me as always Mr Rona and Mullen well how is things today sir been that's good know. to hear now so we are <laughs> <laughs> we're here with the uh the epic heat hit hit um 1995 sort of probably in my top 10. Without a doubt.
2: Without a fucking shadow of a
0: doubt. Uh, I always have
2: uh, a, a fascination without hate whatever it was. Mm. Uh, nineteen
0: ninety five, uh in the prime of my teenage year row, you know.
2: Giving her big legs around likes. town, thinking you're Leith. Nobody Want, cared.
0: Wanting to rob banks
2: flat. Robin the Rank. <laughs> Don't rob Losterbank, it's, it's bad <laughs> <idea>. <laughs> no, no.
0: Uh so yes, uh, the uh, Michael Mann, um the the uh, infamous now this day's director, mm. with a sort of heist movie, kind well, of. Well, I'm glad you said heist,
2: because Michael Mann himself has said this isn't a crime film. And everybody went, well, <laughs> and there's a bit I found on um the, the film itself, right, got no Oscar nominations. It wasn't on any critics end of year list at all. No one. Right. It's referenced now by more influential directors, writers, cinematographers, anybody you can imagine. Yeah, it's 170 minutes. It's got two of the most influential set pieces in action cinema history, and two of the best performances by two of the greatest actors of all time. No Oscar nominations. Nobody's into your list. That but is, now it's it's fucking it's
0: quite surreal when you think of that. Actually, uh, '95. What was the big sort of Braveheart? Wasn't it Braveheart? Would have been uh, the, the
2: number the one Oscar. and number two. It came in number three in its opening weekend. Was Jumanji and Toy Story. Oh, like
0: you're up against it. Like, yeah, the kids films. You got the kids films, boy. But, well, hate, uh, I mean, it, it, it garnered, uh, definitely wasn't a, a cult success because there was definitely uh, critical or critical and commercial success because mm-hmm. the budget was $60, $60 million mm-hmm. and they took in 187. Yeah. Um, so, chiching ching with that one. But I think probably one of the biggest selling points to it is the most obvious thing, or as, as you've already referenced, two of the greatest... Mm-hmm. Living actors uh, of all time uh, finally getting together. Yeah, because this was a big Art thing. Page. Yeah, they hadn't been together on screen, mm-hmm. and they've obviously shared the same film in uh, Godfather Part Two, but never together. But never actually together on screen. So this was the first time. So that was a. I remember that being huge at at the ta- at the time of it was coming out. Yeah, um, and probably I would say to say it's the biggest selling point of getting people to it because. It's a you know, It was a Michael Mann film. It was kind of seen as a... It was given the perception it was an action film. Mm-hmm. you know. Um, but when you add those two onto it then it just became a different thing altogether. Yeah. So it's kind of like... The, it's actually based on a true story, isn't it? It's based it on is. an actual real life.
2: Yeah. There's a bit of a history to it that's... Basically, Michael Mann follows and fucking hangs out with some of the shadiest bastards that ever walked the earth. <laughs> um, and being from Chicago, he... He was very interested in the police department in uh-huh. Chicago because they were the major crimes unit for gangs and gangsters and mafia related work. And so he met up with this guy called um, Chuck Adamson and Chuck Adamson was the head of the major crimes unit. Now, Chuck Adamson ended up working with man on different shows like Miami Vice and Crime Story. and uh-huh. He would tell him all these stories. And there was a guy, an actual criminal called Neil McCauley. Yeah, there was in, a real, real Neil Macaulay
0: in this, uh, and he is played by Robert De Niro. Yeah,
2: he's the real guy. And in the 60s, um, Macaulay and Adamson actually were, like, he was hunting Macaulay, obviously, because they found out about this bank robber and this, you know, fucking murderous lunatic. Yeah. And he actually got caught out, uh, staking him out one time. Uh, so Adamson walked up to him and went, listen, you've caught me. <laughs> he would just go for a coffee. So the two guys went for a coffee and basically laid out each other's plans. Which, and, then which would be a scene in the in film. A, yeah. But well, it was done in, in a different way. Now, Adamson actually killed Macaulay in a, shoot, in a shootout after a robbery. So a lot of this film is tapered with actual events.
0: Yeah, really sort of uh, yeah. well,
2: loosely based. Isn't that, that's the L- way they sort of Yeah, loosely based. Like yeah.
0: But obviously there's... Because it came, it was, it was a pilot show of, of a yeah. It was going to be a TV series, I think. Is, is it was I mean.
2: it was when Mann had met Adamson initially, and he told him all these stories in the late seventies that he wrote the initial draft for what was called LA Takedown. That's right, LA Takedown, and it became it's like a chapter of fucking Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, well, that, that's another story. Grand Theft Auto, like the, the fucking Dark Knight. All all, all his stuff has yeah. stolen so much from, from heat. Heat. Like, yeah It's just ridiculous. But he um you know the Wayne Grow character in this? Yeah. He's a real guy. Okay. Who tied in the mafia and they found him nailed to a shed in Mexico. Jesus. And that's not his name isn't Wayne Grow. His surname is Wayne Grow. Yes, Wayne Grow. So, so it's one the, word, yeah. so he doesn't have a first name no. in, in Man's Story and in Hate.
0: Until he, I read about this uh Steve. recently, I just thought it was his name Wayne was Wayne. Mr. Grow. Mr. Grow, yeah. yeah. No. Wingro? Wingro. Uh, so, Robert De Niro plays Neil Macaulay, and then you have Mr. Al Pacino as uh, the detective, Hannah. Yeah, boy. Who is, because it's the ultimate sort of uh, cat and mouse sort mm. of movie, um, showing the two sides of the law, Yeah, but also the two sides of the families involved on both, or the lack of family, as the case may be. Mm. and so you've got De Niro Pacino so that's a that's a big selling point but then you've got this stellar supporting (laughs) cast fucking what a lineup of uh, actors and actresses I mean it's do you have a list there? Could we do a list? Even, I mean, I can think offhand. Just automatically, automatically, we go to Val Kilmer. When you
2: cool. jump to Val Kilmer, because it's quite incredible, he played that role. He he was Batman at this point. He was like,
0: Batman, that's right. Ninety-five, he was.
2: He, he was huge uh-huh. at this point, and he's he's playing. It's not a secondary role. He's got a major part in it. But I don't think anybody's the central character in this film. Yeah, LA's La is the central character in this film. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but it's really see. hard. Like even Sizemore mm-hmm. has a minor role, but he's a huge fucking part huge of this part. Haggis area. Acazara is a major part of it, Ashley Judd, Amy Brennan, Makita Williamson, our good friend fucking Ted Levine.
0: Ted Levine? Jesus,
2: I'll <laughs> He's fucking there and he's just bald and run about being a cop and he, you don't actually pay attention to him at all, I but do. again, he's a major part of the unit. and
0: Treo as well.
2: Treo Henry Rollins turns up for no fucking reason whatsoever, It's just big thug. And big JV. Big John voice in the middle of her. Tom Noonan invents the internet. Right. <laughs> and I love that scene because Tom Noonan's just sitting there describing to Robert De Niro, just on like a hillside, like L.A., you no know, when you're going down the fucking GTA Five and you go into that weird neighborhood. That's Tom Noonan's house. And Tom Noonan's just sitting there describing to Robert De Niro's character where you can pull information, like the schematics for a bank, just out of thin air. And he's like, all that information's out there. He's going to know when to grab it. And De Niro looks at him in the way that I would imagine De Niro looks at people now, trying to describe the <laughs> internet, because he probably wouldn't be nah that au f- fait with the internet. <laughs> but it, it's it's such a great scene, because like, two guys are just sitting on the front porch, organising this major, mm-hmm. major fucking yeah. criminal fucking event. And then Johnny Voice just stand in the driveway waiting for them to finish a it. Big out. long <laughs> hair and all of them. Uh, I mean, it, it is one of the things, and I think it's a very, what
0: would you say, understated performance from De Niro because the character is that sort of the loner, but mm-hmm. very quiet, very solitary, mm-hmm. so uh, there's not an awful lot of dialogue out of him uh, no. throughout the film, but it's
2: no furniture, no TV, yeah, no big blank apartments, blank expressions, blank a ring, and you're just, why is he doing it? He's, it's just the true hardened criminal, yeah. and that's the sort of size that he was
0: showing, that the personality uh-huh. and, and all the sort of emotions out of him. But De Niro plays it so well. I mean, he has so poker-faced the whole way through, mm-hmm. uh, and it's, um, it's a sight to behold, to be honest. But that team, so they, they basically are a team of... Uh, I wasn't going to say bank robbers because it's not fucking point break. But it's, you no. know, they're, they're, they're sophisticated. Life, they're life criminals, like you yeah.
2: say. They're they're guys who don't know how to do anything else. And like Sizemore says, the action is the juice for him. He doesn't care about the money. Yeah, he just just doing, the doing, doing the heists and doing this sort of criminality is where he gets his rocks off. <laughs> Natalie Portman? Natalie Portman <laughs> Natalie Portman is right. That's in right. the middle she's of the whole thing. The, sort of unnecessary, but uh yeah, a second a film, she, too, after Leon.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, she's good in it. It's very good, yeah. She's, she's but
2: it's sort of, I don't know if this is sort of, it's not sexist to say, but a lot of the female characters, you're just sort of like, they're secondary in it?
0: Yeah, he didn't really incorporate them, them very no, well. Yeah.
2: They're not brought into it in such a way that But you in
0: a cat and mouse game, yeah, ultimately, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, fair. Uh, it's, uh, it's like, you know it what it's like, Mike Mac- Mac-, 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 Mac, Mac, Who's Mike, Mac- don't, don't know fuck is it. Do you know what it's like? It's like... Obviously, Tom and Jerry, <laughs> Aye. you know all the other secondary characters, but here we're here for De Niro, but you know that's ultimately it. Aye, you really and we know. wait for a while till we get to see them uh, in action together. Yep. And you can't actually wait for a while to hear any dialogue in the film.
2: Mm, you know, ultimately, it's a
0: decent long introduction um, you, of just a lot of, as you say, a lot of love for LA.
2: Mm, you could throw it in at the deep end, pretty much. And man's such a fucking intelligent and it's an adult film in the sense that he doesn't pander to you he doesn't over explain anything no there's scenes that just start and you're like why are we here what the fuck are we doing here how are we yeah and
0: but it's weave so well because <laughs> it's one of those films i did have to say i i nearly had took kind a bit of an obsession with heat over the years and watched it numerous times and there wasn't a single time upon re-watching that i didn't pick up a nugget of something i didn't see yeah like there's tiny sweep of information on how this one knew that one or how mm-hmm. that one you know it's all and it's very, very detailed. But also not detailed. I don't know how to describe that. Yeah. You know, it's it's as you say, every we watch gives you something new, but
2: I it's also not hard to follow when no watch the film. So not in any way. No. Like like we said about uh, when Tom Sizemore, who's part of the criminal gang, mentions how the action is his sort of buzz, we realise as well that Val Kilmer's character, Chris, his buzz is gambling. Mm-hmm. And then at the start, you see him going to an Arizona uh, like a refinery, but he's going to buy dynamite from an official source and he's got all the documents. And he's got the photo ID and a fake name and the whole lot. But what you realize as well is he was probably gambling in Arizona <laughs> <laughs> and that's where he lost the biggest amount of his money and why he has to keep bank robbery like he has to keep it up because yeah. he's got major debts to repay to major people
0: yeah they're not part-time criminals every no. job they do is a big job yeah it's a job that's going to feed them mm-hmm. uh, and feed them for a while so yeah as you say and then you see uh de niro he's sort of um basically stealing an ambulance <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's,
2: the, he's got the full guard walking through a hospital to steal an ambulance and, and it's so fucking effortless too so this
0: is basically and it's kind of it all stems from an attempted or an, a successful robbery. But it led to something they don't normally do, which is death. Yes. So murder happens So the one Tom Sizemore. Mm-hmm. kinda gets a wee bit carried away, shall we say? Mm. Um, well, not Wayne gets carried
2: away. Wayne Grove gets carried, away. Goes,
0: sorry, carried away and Sizemore uh, and Gilmore has to sort of step in. Well, there can be so, no witnesses then. No, no choice to, to do it. Yeah. Um, But that's it. So it becomes felony murder then. So that changes the whole thing. So, and then that's what brings Pacino onto the the scent. Um, And again, so you start to see both sides. So you're seeing Pacino say he's got the wife and and the daughter played by Natalie Portman. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, sort of secondary. Mm -hmm. A lot of it's with his partner. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't remember the name of the guy who plays the partner, but he's been a load of things. Great character. And that hunt starts there but there's a the tension of it I, that's what I loved about the film and there's so much so many scenes McKelty
2: that, Williamson oh,
0: Sergeant Drucker McKelty yeah. Williamson um, so many scenes that are like age of the seat job like, oh
2: fuck. I that I've talked about it a lot with friends when we're talking about Michael Mann films again we've got to remember me and you were 14 when this came out mm, mm-hmm we hadn't seen Thief and Manhunter and Last of the Mohicans. No. You know, I hadn't anyway. No. Um so I had no point of reference for what Michael Man films look like. Subsequently when you go back to his older films and his more recent films, Mega Man has a he has a style. Oh yeah, yeah. So we're watching these films as young people and going, Jesus Christ, this is this looks is it, does everything look like this? <laughs> is this as good That's as it's going to get?
0: That is the problem when you start with something out of that young age. You do expect that from you know then I, on, and it's and
2: uh, and then you start wondering why haven't people stolen from this? And then now we know they everybody have. has stolen <laughs> from yeah. this. It's the it's easily the most referenced film by all the elites. The yeah, especially
0: anybody in, in the likes of cinematography or uh, oh, sound man. editing or any of those sort of things. It's all like the technical side of things. Yeah, as well as talk well about, the acting. We'll
2: talk about the big scenes in a minute, but. Like even the minor stuff, like backstory and just dropping you. It's such a fucking, it's such an incredible. And the more you watch it, yeah, it's great. Like me and my wife watched it again recently, but my wife hadn't seen it uh, longer than I had seen it Mm -hmm. and was just going, this story's so all over the place now. And I know, but when you watch it the first few times, you're just Mm -hmm. so enamored by, like you said, De Niro Pacino, the shootout scene, the coffee scene, all these fucking But that scene at the start, man, when they're wearing the hockey masks Mm -hmm. and they're taking out that armored truck to get the Barabons that are in the, And you're watching it going just the spectacle of action. But I don't even take on board the the fucking the balls of stealing this stuff to sell it back (laughs) to the boy that stole it from and still make money on it (laughs) twice over.
0: That's the other thing about it too. You've got then, and again, it sort of exposes the corrupt element of it all. Mm-hmm. So they steal a little bare bones belongs to somebody. To that guy them. is able to claim <laughs> off his insurance. Yep. And then they also come back and go, well, here we also can send you this badge back to you for reduced cost price. Mm-hmm. Which again, I was like, that's fucking genius. Yeah. That was brilliant. John uh, Voight in the middle of her. John's the the middleman. He's the fence. In the fence boy. He keeps. Uh. It's. It, it was my first time experiencing John Voight. I had never seen him anything before. Um Well, I think he's the experiences so before, laid back. Yeah.
2: We wouldn't have been watching Deliverance. No. No. Or, or Midnight Crowdboy like
0: No. No. They came later, thankfully. They came <laughs> <laughs> We've it more mature emotionally. Otherwise we'd be doing this via Zoom from a gab- from a Gabriel. <laughs> <laughs> <This laughs> <is laughs> very <laughs> true. Fucked up heads. Yeah. Uh so yeah, we've got uh and and one of the uh Van Zant is the name of the Mm-hmm. The guy that they stole the, the bonds of. Yeah. Who tries to become a bit of a hard man.
2: Well, he acts hard until somebody like shuts actually stands down, up, shuts like, yeah. him down once and then he has to live in his office forever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's a great interaction between once they realize that in going to get the money for the, the... the What are they called again? The bear bonds? Bear bonds, yeah. When they're going to get the money for them back, the guy's tried to get wise with Macaulay and his gang by maybe killing them and just taking the money, which, you know, Hmm. most dickheads would try to do. But you would like to have thought that maybe John Voight and his cohorts would have advised these boys, don't try to rip these boys off because Mm. they're serious people. (laughs) But they don't do that. No. They try to take out um, Bobby D and the boys. It's a bad idea. Hammer bones and Van stuff. And uh, the interaction which happens after is probably a nice way. Yeah, it's one that's one uh, sort
0: of more quotable lines that come out of the thing, yeah. sort of thing. Uh, uh, the name of uh, Van Zant again uh, that is he's William Freak not Freakin
2: William Fitchner
0: Fitchner no, Freakin's the director yeah. Fitchner uh, I think he's been in everything yeah he, he's everything. one of them <laughs> he's one of them everything boys um, Prison Break he was big in that he was in mm-hmm. uh, Dark Knight at the very opening scene that's right break, you know. that's right
2: um, Again, it just pops up. A scene that could have been pulled directly out of heat uh, without oh, a shadow of a yeah. Heist. Uh, that heist
0: is a complete. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And uh, so, yeah, this is uh, De Niro, uh, Neil Macaulay ringing Van Zant after the field. Um,
2: Exchange of money and bonds.
0: Switcheroo he was trying to <laughs> yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Roger Van Zandt. Yeah,
2: who's
1: this? You know what this is. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I sent a guy to deliver the package. He didn't call. Is everything right? Tell you what. Forget the money. What? Forget the money. It's a lot of money. (laughs) What are you doing? What do you mean, forget the money? What am I doing? I'm talking to an empty telephone. I don't understand. Because there was a dead man on the
2: other end of this fucking line. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh. That means Billy Fitchner is fucked. G- gonna be dead.
0: You are gonna be dead? Uh, so I mean, already you see this sort of crew. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, now they could have left that.
0: They could have left alone, but no. There's no. Way you don't because they've about already it. got their money for the. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, they were going to get double, but they don't. They don't need to go back. But. It's it's left in such a way that it's sort of if they'd have left that, the Wayne and Grow thing wouldn't happen later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 sh- the bank heist would have went perfectly wrong because or right because Rollins and Van Zant wouldn't have informed the cops that this is going to happen. On this, everything unfolds because of simple things that they do on their own back, mm. but it all leads back to Wayne and Grow shooting the fucking guy when they rammed the, the, the armor car. Yeah it all leads back to that and we and Grove just keep popping up at the right time
0: yeah, the whole way well, through. And, the whole through and so then you're starting to see Pacino then he's trying to mm-hmm. um, Vincent Vincent Hanna mm-hmm. trying to sort of weave all this together and trying to find out you know the, the connections and again there's a lot of people they have to go and visit and go and see he's a lot of interactions because he's basically interrogating people but it also has given Pacino quite a chance to not to ham it up but it's just it's let him go loose
2: well in the original iteration of the script that came out in 79 that man had obviously cut way back to make La. T- let's go back to Alec Tatum for two seconds it became a one episode pilot for a TV show that never happened mm-hmm it was 90 minutes. It wasn't great at all. Um, it's on YouTube if you want to look it up, but it'll just sort of hmm. put a sour of taste in your mouth for this. But um, he had Hannah uh, with a serious cocaine addiction. Oh, right. Which answers why Pacino acts so erratic. Yeah. And doesn't ever seem to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Right, we not, see him yeah. at the start waking up and having a bit of love times, but <laughs> we don't. We're not 100% sure if he hasn't just landed in from work. Yeah. Got the buck and went home or went back to the work again because you don't see him resting ever. No, he's always in the movie. yeah. He's always on the go. And even in the time when they send him back to his hotel room to go sleep, he finds a young girl in the bath who's trying to kill herself. But then he can't even type. <laughs> Her husband, so he never uh, gets to chill out. And you, re- how can he be running on, ah, uh, mm-hmm. oh, cocaine? But that's, that was his sort of excuse. But... Pacino himself. A lot of these scenes, he's given free reign. So yeah,
0: I mean, it's it's sort of man's known for it with certain people to mm. let them just not not completely improvised. but no, no, just no, 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 no. To but give them enough sort of scope to yeah, there's to do their thing because he's got the right people. You know, if you've got the right people on the role, which he clearly had, yeah, you you have faith then to let them go about and do exactly what they're famous for. Exactly. Uh, we have a clip here actually of um, of Pacino. It's probably again. Um, so just just talking about you know the the attributes of the female form.
2: Well, um, Hank Azaria, who is a great um, voice actor for The Simpsons and all other, he in an interview he told people again, man didn't say this to anyone, but Hank Azaria said that when Pacino does this this line, that we're going to play the audio for mm-hmm. He didn't know he was going to do that line, right? So Azaria's reaction of Jesus is real because he and a baldy what was about to hit him <laughs> and uh, sort of if you read the script it was just pretty straight that he was just sort of interrogating them but then Pacino goes off book in only way that Pacino can Mm-hmm. Man,
1: I just why did I get mixed up with that bitch because she got a great ass <laughs> and you got your head all the way up it Jesus When I think of asses, woman's ass, something comes out of me.
0: Not gonna lie, Ronan, <laughs> same thing happens to myself.
2: <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, actually Judd never looked better in a film. So, well, fair play to Hank. Uh, Lovely girl.
0: Well, I don't what it rhymes with. But anyway, so we have um, <laughs> Top even <topic. laughs> even that uh, even just when you when you. Hearing the audio of it's elaborate enough, but it's not until you see yeah. the
2: face and the eyes when he's like... Yeah. That vein in the centre of his <laughs> head, man, and his eyes bulging, he's just like... <laughs> I couldn't imagine, like, like a straight face. Never been being shocked in the... Jesus, I'd be like... <coughs> <coughs> yeah. no, Alright, I'll do it seriously. Aye, uh, camera down there, patch. <laughs> <laughs> so, we... You know that Keanu Reeves was nearly cast as Val camera's role? Oh, did not know. I could At, see that. They had him on the back burner because... Batman? They thought that Kilmer they was going to go. Either yeah. ah, we're going to lose him. They'd never be. But able to lose him. If, listen, if you're Kilmer,
0: are you going to turn down the opportunity to work with DiNero and Pacino? No. You know what I mean. So it's going to be an automatic yes, Batman or fucking no, Batman. Yeah, you're, uh, you're right. That's that's pretty that's much a, the that's what the and reason that's, was, and yeah. that's
2: what Kilmer said And that really, really, really fucking awkward and weird uh, retrospective interview that they had. With uh, Christopher Nolan. Oh, I didn't see Was that. the chair, and he was, like, asking the questions, and all the cast turned up who uh, here alive. Mm-hmm. And uh, Val Kilmer was there, and uh, unfortunately, in these recent years, Val Kilmer's had uh, an operation for throat cancer, and he doesn't, and nobody knew that. So mm-hmm. during this thing, he's sitting, answering these questions, so like this, like a duck, and you're going, what the fuck? Why is nobody <laughs> referencing that he's got a weird voice? And, like, he talks for maybe five minutes, and then goes, Apologies for my first I've had an operation And you're like Fucking hell Val Tell us is that at the start I was freaking <laughs> out I thought that's how Val sounds <laughs> But he's like all oh, weird And it looks like he's just had like Some sort of collagen injections too Because his lips are all like Oh man oh, it's the strangest awful. shit I've ever seen But during that he says I only did this because of these two men But then I realised You know a few weeks into filming This yeah. is something completely different
0: yeah, because you're not only getting the De Niro and Pacino experience, but you're also getting the man experience. Mm-hmm. What's uh, you're getting the man? You're getting the man, full man. But it's it's famous for being. I mean, he's he's quite detailed in it takes a while and uh, and shooting and uh, multiple takes. Not, takes. not 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 Kubrick level, but no, no. no, I mean, no, no, no. no, no. not an asshole
2: level. It's just well, it has
0: to be right, and I mean, it shows on the on, on the final product.
2: In this film, there wasn't a single frame shot on the south stage. And that's something that people go, what? There's no CGI. There's no overdubbing. No. no. Um, Every scene was filmed in location with a total of 95 locations. Only 10 of 85 of those locations were ever used before. Right. So 85 locations, 75 are unique to cinema and television. They've never been filmed. Yeah. And now it's being used. For everything, because that's the
0: thing. I mean, multiple diners have been used multiple times for different films. And it's like they're and, and it's, I suppose it's for ease of access. Mm-hmm. A studio or a, f- a film company knows well, we will go to you know Bob's diner because we've done fucking five films there. We know how to, so it's easier for them. But this was again back to man wanting to have the aesthetic the way he wanted it to mm-hmm. look like. Yep. He got to choose every single location, and as you say, like seventy five is a fucking lot.
2: A lot, uh, in, you know a place like. Los Angeles, it's used for everything—be it advertisements, mm. be, it, be it pictures, be it advert, be it fucking TV, film, whatever. For seventy-five locations to be unique in nineteen ninety-five, that's that's a fucking rare mm. occurrence. Like,
0: and the—I mean, distributed by Warner Brothers, but I mean, obviously a big LA mm-hmm. backdrop in it. Um, but it didn't really—it didn't delve in anything about la if you don't know I mean it, no. it la spoke for itself no, it never had that's... to be um it could have happened in any city mm-hmm. you know it could have been anywhere, yeah, anywhere. Yeah. there was nothing unique about it um but you're you're dealing then we're getting into the sort of the to continue the plot of it you know you're getting into the intricacies then of everybody getting word of this big job mm-hmm. and there's a big opportunity and you're talking millions mm-hmm.
2: um Enough for them to retire on and not do another... Not
0: have to do another job no. again, yeah. And at the same time too, Pacino and his crew are getting closer mm-hmm. to understanding who these guys are. They know who they are.
2: They yeah, just can't yeah,
0: yeah. catch them or anything. And that's the sort of the other thing that was very... I suppose it was the first time I had ever seen you know that level of... Well, we know who it is, but we just can't do anything to them.
2: And again, it's all linked to something innocuous that you don't really pay attention to at the start. After they ram the truck, a homeless guy hears someone call someone slick.
0: Yeah, I thought that was Jason.
2: Yeah. After uh, a scene, which we're going to play the audio for later, because it's my favorite scene in the whole film, hmm. Pacino gets a tip off from a guy at a club. And it's in a passing comment that he goes, he calls everybody slick. Mm-hmm. And it's because the guy, now this, and I, I, every time I watch this scene, I'm blown away. Like, Tone Lock
0: <laughs> yes, that's right.
2: says to Pacino, that a guy he knows that he used to be in prison with says he isn't doing anything which means he's definitely doing something <laughs> and I'm always like that has to be real that yeah. has to be a real Somebody story, had to tell that story that yeah. man heard and he went oh what a fucking <laughs> that's brilliant because if he'd have said he was at something he would have knew he wasn't at anything <laughs> It's so good, like, it's but you don't get that film now, where people are going. It has to be some backwards, fucking upside down, you know, uh, as a skullduggery as you can yeah, get. Whereas that was him going, was just, yeah. Nah, he's definitely had something. He's cause he told me he's not having <laughs> Which is the way we would think. That's exactly. Yeah. You know, not, like. I heard you want money. No, 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 no. did not want to fuck him. that her won money? I know, rightly money. <laughs> you know. And that's how we think, but that's how a guy in and a night, but Pacino still doesn't believe him until he says he calls everybody slick. slick and then he's yeah. like, all right, tell me more.
0: Tell him more. And so that's, that's
2: that's where it all, then they've got the guy's name, then they've got the crew, then they've got who he hangs out with, and yeah. that's where we're at now in the film.
0: And that's when you start going into the surveillance end of things, and uh, again, another switcheroo then, because you've got um, the, the, the criminals are catching on. uh uh-huh. They know the fucking tactics of the cops watching yep. them. It, and it's fucking, it's, again, back to that, using cat and mouse as a phrase, but it did show the sort of intricacies of how do you fall? Like, uh, one of the scenes, I suppose, was the, the kind of like the industrial place where they all went to meet. Yeah. And they're looking this way and they're looking that way. And
2: the cops are like, what were they looking at? What were they looking at? And well, this is post, <laughs> this is just after where they're setting up for another heist. Uh uh-huh. hmm um, and they're trying to drill through this wall. And De Niro just decides to go outside where the drilling's going on. Just to listen to what's going on outside in the dark. Uh, what looks like an industrial state with a load of fucking truck containers everywhere. And what he doesn't know is that the feds and the cops and all are in this one container watching them.
0: And it's, then... It's probably like one of my so favorite parts of the brilliant. scene. Because it's, it's like proper hold your breath moments because you're thinking this is happening yeah. and the thing is it's far enough into the film for you, you to think because the first be time it. you watch you don't realise it's three hours long so you're no. thinking this is oh, going to break out now and uh so you've got this cop team ha- hidden in the back of a truck trying to be quiet
2: yeah and we know from the start that there's one cop who's jittery as fuck and he keeps walking about and he's chatting too much and they're all like tell that boy to shut the fuck up <laughs> so when De Niro's hiding in the shadows and you can't see him but the camera zooms in on his face, and he's just looking around, and all of a sudden the boy sits down, and his gun hits the side of the container—a tiny noise, one
0: wee tiny ding. That's all. Our, yeah.
2: And De Niro stares at the container for a really long time, mm-hmm. and then makes the decision: nope, pull it. Yeah. And that's the whole job that was done. The
0: whole job, and I, that's that's the resolve of that uh, to be able to go nah. No, to sl- too could, too have cat, could have been a cat. Could have been a fucking. have been anything. It could have been no.
2: something in the container fell off a pallet and hit the Could have been anything. Mm-hmm. But it was too much of a risk, so he bails. Um, and so again, I always remember the luck of everybody at that
0: cop. <laughs> Don't be fucking <laughs> hitting them.
2: And he's like, uh, "Oh, gee, I'm sorry, boys, <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're fucking." But it's it's that level of detail not only in the filmmaking, but in the process of what we have to assume these guys are thinking all the time. Yeah, and and,
0: and that actual interaction, I mean, I, I remember watching the time and thinking, is that all it would take? Mm-hmm. Just the slightest thing against a mm-hmm. container? And because, again, when it came to, if you're talking 1985, and for us at our age, you know you were used to the commandos and the fucking mm. the Rambos and all that sort of stuff, you know, so everything Which was have plot holes galore. <laughs> yeah, so everything was just in your face and yeah. blown up the fuck. So for this
2: then to How have did he get Cambodia s- so far? Shh. <laughs> just go on it, just go over it, man. <laughs> yeah. Don't think about don't think about any of this intricate shit. Uh
0: so to have something that is a robbery and it is a heist, but to be broken down into that level silence comes yeah. in you know what i mean it's it's. Uh, i thought it was fucking brilliant and the tension but again that's man's another like strong tool he has he's mm. able to create such tension yeah and like um, you said out of silence
2: absolutely like you said then this leads to everybody questioning everything mm. everybody's saying assume they're honest now assume they've been honest the whole time assume everything is on tape yeah assume the cops have everything we have what do we do and they say we just pull everything we just go our separate ways they get all of their trackers they find all of their mm-hmm. whatever way they've been surveilling them they've got their wives and children all in separate you know and they tell us all this but they don't show it no and that's what's so detailed and all they do show is them meeting in this place you're talking about which is like an open industrial state in the middle of the day they're pointing in different directions <laughs> And then they disappear. The cops go back to where they were and they start asking, right, what are they looking at? What are they setting up? Right, is that the highway? Is it a freeway? Is that where the river? What What are the? And Hannah comes to the realization <laughs> that they're just setting them up.
0: Yeah, they're looking at us.
2: They're just watching them. <laughs> they just want to know what they're doing, what they know, how much they know. And that leads us to one of the most famous scenes in the film.
0: Yeah, and it became, at the time too, it became um, uh, a massive scene because I think... It's the first time and only time they actually interact in the film,
2: bar the very bar end. This, yeah, yeah. Bar, but when I mean, they actually
0: yeah. interact properly, getting into like a, a mm-hmm. face-to-face discussion, so they go to they agree to meet in a in a diner, mm. um, and they uh, over a cup of coffee. Now this is, I mean, it's a it's a two or three minute long scene, but the dialogue is so perfect in it. There isn't a, a missed syllable. No, nothing is. There's no fat to trim.
2: And that's deliberate. They didn't rehearse it. They met up on the day. Well, you see, here's the thing. I had heard a long time ago um, that they weren't actually filming together. I'd heard that too. And bullshit. It's bulls. Absolute bullshit. Not only is there scripts, the same script with both notes for De Niro and Pacino, and De Niro and Pacino's own notes handwritten on the script, meaning mm-hmm. they were all together when they talked about it just before they went to film, there's fucking behind the scenes photos of the boys all sitting at the de- table together. And th- there's no, there's never a shot in the film where it shows both of them sitting at the table. That's a behind the scenes photo. Yeah. Which I was told by a, a Facebook meme that this was a split in the middle of the screen where the two boys were never in the same booth. Yeah, that's what I. Yeah. But that's bullshit. Uh, they, they were always I don't know together. Why it was it would, would someone spend that? Uh, I think it's. It's a behind-the-scenes movie trivia thing that just went, and a film filled with behind-the-scenes movie trivia yeah. stuff that you didn't need to make up.
0: Well, it, it definitely proves to me now that The Irishman was purposely done where they hugged each other in every single scene. Yeah, because people like didn't every time it. they met, they hugged each other um, because yeah, people were causing was, that fuss. Yeah,
2: there was a rumor of animosity between Pacino and De Niro seventies, eighties, nineties, which was all bullshit as well. They've yeah, always been never friendly. had a film door to together. No, with. Yeah, they've, they've always, always been genres. friendly. Um, this is take 11 in its entirety what you see in this film mm-hmm.
0: we'll go to we'll go to the end of it and we'll hear uh, a bit of dialogue but this is the two guys obviously sort of sussing each other out how far are you going to go oh yeah you know Um, and obviously when we were when I was watching it I was always sort of should not have been but I was always on the sort of De Niro side <laughs> Um, in the sense that he didn't have anything to lose mm. you know but this is the other thing too and this is where uh, a woman appears. Oh, the fucking women. Women fuck up everything. So for oh. the first time maybe, and for the first job, uh, Neil McCauley now finally has maybe something to fight for. But this is in the uh, the diner scene where the, he discusses that option.
1: Mm-hmm. Guy told me one time, don't let yourself get attached to anything you are not willing to walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you feel the heat around a corner. Now, if you're on me and you gotta move when I move, how do you expect to keep her a marriage? That's an interesting point. What are you, a monk? I have a woman. What do you tell her? I tell her I'm a salesman. So then if you spot me coming around that corner, you're just going to walk out on this woman, not say goodbye. That's the.
2: So you've got like a what you have there is. There's a there's a a note. There's a note on the script, right? So the reason they get to the coffee shop, the, the, Hannah basically tells him, gets a helicopter to say where he is, because they've obviously they've been following him. We know that up to this point. Mm. And he's getting the alert, he flags him down and says, listen, you know who I am, I know you are, let's meet up for a coffee. He agrees. So that scene, the, the two cars pulling over, there's a note and Macaulay, or sorry, Hannah's note is, you left the dysfunctional marital arena for the engaging dynamic complex one as if simmering in the subconscious was dilemma, a surveillance of a man cognizant of it. Go meet Go talk to him. Go get him. That's Hannah's note. <laughs> De Niro's notes as Macaulay was this. Is this guy nuts? What's this about? What's going on? There's no other units with him? Yeah, I'll talk to him. He wants to find out about me, but I'm going to fucking find out about him. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> that's it. But that's that's the two sides. Yeah, absolutely. De Niro only really wants the to know and yang, fucking B. Yeah. Yeah. He only wants to know black and white. Pacino's trying to figure out who this man is, personally. Yeah, what makes him tick? What makes him motivated to do what he does and that's why during that scene as well he brings up he knew he was at prison Mm -hmm. and it sort of gets a rise out of the nearest character and it's the first time where Pacino knows he's got a he Mm. isn't cold completely cold he's got there's something yeah he's got a poker tail but he he knows it's something about his prison involvement now i I, (laughs) i read a mental story that took me forever to find because I remember hearing about it years ago, but I was like, I can't find it anywhere. I've read loads of stuff about heat and nobody mentions it. When they were preparing for this, even though Michael Mann knew they weren't going to shoot a scene in in a prison, Uh he took De Niro to Folsom.
0: Right.
2: He had shot The Jericho Mile, which is a TV movie in 1979, in Folsom, and he used a lot of actual inmates. Mann's a big believer in if you're using the physical environment, use the actual people that live in it because it's more real. Okay, Don't use yeah. actors to pretend to be prisoners. Yeah. So he was approached by this guy, right, who chats to him. like He's met him every day. He was like, all right, Michael, how are you keeping? Everything's going well. And Mom was like, yeah, man, good. And he never talked to De Niro. And he was like, why wouldn't he talk to Robert De Niro? This is 94 De Niro. Like, <laughs> This is fucking De Niro. Who I believe but as well, just as a side note, Pacino and De Niro have never been as good since this film. Mm, yeah, no. I don't think. No, I don't think. I, been I could be knocked out of the way, but I don't think they've been as good. No. So, Michael Mann's on the way home after leaving Folsom with De Niro and it fucking clicks. That boy was in the Jericho Mile <laughs> in 1979. He's been in there for so long. Folsom's fucking maximum career. Yeah. But he was also one of the boys who told him some of the stories that he was writing heat about. Oh, fucking hell. So this boy just walked up to him like, all right, how's it going? Not realizing this was one of the boys who influenced him <laughs> to write <laughs> the, the script moving, in the yeah. first
0: place. I bet you Mega Man wrote a check to him and sent royalties and all to him, didn't No, he? I don't think so. Nah, I don't
2: think so. Why? <laughs> <Fucking>
0: wild, <laughs> wild man.
2: Wild man. But uh, yeah, that all comes from, and again, the detail of bringing a legit actor like Robert De Niro to a prison mm. just to get the vibe <laughs> of a prison, even though he's never going to show him in, in a, a prison. prison, I know. It's only just to show him. That reaction he makes when Pacino makes the comment about prisons mm-hmm. is all based around his feeling of being near prison, and the fear of going back, and a fear of going back because he says he's not going back. And that's incredible that's preparation. Amazing.
0: Like that, thats the other thing about, uh, especially when you get the likes of a director like Mann or uh, even a Christopher Nolan, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like the detail and the sort of preparation and pro, uh, like pre-production stuff that goes on is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like fucking and seeing and, like and Daniel Day Lewis obviously is famous for some of the stuff he does and some yeah. of the crazy things. But I mean that level there, as you say, to get somebody just into the psychological mindset. Exactly. Not actually
2: But for no haven't experience no, it, yeah, no, not no, actually. We're, we're, not, we're not gonna experience it. We're just gonna experience the I want, feeling
0: you, to, I want you to have that psychological thought of what it would be like in prison. All we
2: see <laughs> is the wee glimpse in his eye of don't talk about prison to me in a mm. coffee scene that's seconds long. Mm-hmm. Uh, and man built it you know it wasn't just like they they, they, they did it one day when they were sitting there want to go to a prison and check it out <laughs> that takes months to get the passes to get mm-hmm. to a prison as a you know a, an everyday man to walk through a prison yard and talk to the inmates and that shit just doesn't be given out willy nilly no. like it's it's incredible but for us to experience it just in a brief second I mean the level of fucking That's detail unreal. in this film was crazy
0: and if you have uh, I mean you and saying so this is the thing i, I love to get at. a lot of preparation but a lot of the show has a lot the interaction there's a lot of table interaction mm-hmm. so you've got de niro and obviously pacino in the, in the diner but you've got pacino quite a few times almost interrogating people across the table yeah whether it be area or whatever it's, yeah, know, yeah yeah but it's like the proper uh cop style mm-hmm. you know as if it is in the interrogation room in the fucking murdered glass but every venue's different. So, yeah. but we have one where he's in a car, uh, a chap, chop shop, chop shop, and he goes to sort of—it's a CA,
2: isn't it? It's like a tout. That he has yeah, but it's a guy. You get again. There's no build up to this. There's no, you, you're just dropped into this scene. Yeah, and at the start of the scene, you'll hear people run like the noise of feet run. These are all the guys that when they see Hannah, they're like, "Get the fuck out of the get shop!" Of because we're all illegal, yeah. and he's clearly just wants to speak to our boy here, but we don't need to be around. Yeah. And the only person who doesn't move is the guy is uh-huh. going to look for. But this is my favorite scene in the film. Yeah. Because it's sort of, tip, and even though it's not the big scene, and I totally get what, what, what people are coming from on those scenes because they're unbelievable, but this scene, again, shows the maturity of Michael Mann. You don't get mollycoddled in any way. Mm. A lot of it is improvised by Pacino. You're given some sort of backstory, but you're not sure if it's referencing the heist we're talking about now or something else. And... They don't play good cop backup, it's just backup. <laughs> yeah. And they're just going at this boy, Ricky. And it's just incredible to watch, and it's so memorable.
1: Time. Listen, man, listen. Did you fall in love. Come on. Did you fall in love last night? you went off somewhere. This just tell me that. I'll, I'll settle for it. You know what I mean? I'll buy that. Vincent. B- Give me all you got! gut! Give me all you got! I swear, man, my brother, man, my brother, my brother Rich is gonna talk to you. Man. I heard Richard. He gonna talk to you. Richard. 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 He gonna meet you, man. I swear tonight. He's not here, is he? No, he gonna meet you tonight. Tonight? What happened to right now? I, I, I implored him, cause I knew you was coming this a.m. It's a you bunch know. of bullshit. No, no, I swear. He, he said no, cause he in Phoenix. Ah, uh, by r- the time this, I this, get this, man. I swear, Phoenix. I swear, man. Tonight's He'll the best. Be I can <laughs> He'll probably leave a note right on the door. Tonight's the best I can do for you, man. You know? He'll meet you at BJ's on Alvarado at 2 a.m. Be, be there. You be there, too. Vince. <laughs> I can't be there, man. I got, I got <laughs> do, man. I got things to do, I got things to do. I got places to be. I got... Don't waste my motherfucking
2: time! <laughs> <laughs> now, if you've never seen that film, and you don't know what we're talking about in this scene, you pretty much could visualize from that audio oh, yeah. what's going on here. Like, <laughs> goats and all in the background, and tables being tossed, and De Niro going, for, or Pacino going bickies, and it's just, it's such a brilliant... And man has said in interviews, he wished he extended that scene, because... He had so much fun shooting it, and he never wrote, there's a wee tiny deleted scene that has a wee bit more on it, but it doesn't add much to that, like.
0: Right. Uh, so, yeah, that, I would, again, that's that's him sort of just shaking down his sort of, his informations or informants uh, to lead to, ultimately, to find out the, the, the details.
2: Yeah, the, the scene we were talking about where the guy mentions Slick. That's, yeah. the, that's the cousin he's going to meet up or the brother or whatever he mentions.
0: So the finale, if you want to call it that, the sort of grand uh, end scene when they finally get to the much sought
2: after bank job. Which isn't even near the end. No. You, you, like in my mind now, I've only watched it recently and I still think that's the end.
0: Yeah, it's not really. Yeah, no, it's yeah. just it's so big it stands out and it, it does. So, um, but it's also the sort of, the, the sort of culmination of the chase, yeah. That 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 tension that you feel in that diner just comes exploding out with about fucking five thousand bullets.
2: Yeah, we <laughs> we um. Before I got married, I wanted our honeymoon to be in L.A. And Karen was like, "Oh my god, sunshine and the beach and all." I was like, "Uh huh." Mm. And the street where they filmed the bank house in the Heat. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't hear me say that bit, but that's <laughs> why I wanted to go to L.A. <laughs> to be honest with you, it's it's probably. I don't know this is a stretch, it's probably my favorite scene in film. I know I've said the last scene is my favorite scene in this film, but it's the most I can see every inch of it. Yeah. No, yeah, matter, absolutely, yeah. Like, and it's it's not, and it was really one of those long. things,
0: it was one of those things too. If you remember, if you to give it some context, it was kind of heavily pushed on DVD because mm-hmm. DVD was just sort of coming out around that time. Mm-hmm. Um. So by the time this got to here, you're talking '96 DVDs, '97, '98. Um, but it was it was used as advertisement. You would it was used as a sort of like, oh my god, wait till you see the quality of a picture can be. Yeah. With DVD, this yeah. and and heat was used as example because, and it was kind of a fraud, really, in that sense because you didn't need it to be on dvd for heat to look amazing no heat just looks amazing no <laughs> it was and then the other thing was which was coming in new to us at that time too was surround sound mm-hmm. and heat sounds amazing
2: oh fuck me man the shooting just the echo yeah in that fucking of that street and those buildings just it was just a coffin like it was it's, unreal
0: so basically what's happened is the guys have carried out the bank heist they're on their way out of the bank all smiles all laughing red rock money in the pack yeah they've done it everything's happening no sign of caps but at the same time too hannah and his team have figured out where they're doing it what's going on so they interrupt and it sort of erupts then into the a shootout in the middle of the street mm-hmm. um and it was always stood out for me because it's such a long shootout like really long um but very little death or very little injury mm-hmm compared to, you know, your normal sort of action films where there's shootouts and there's fucking bodies flying everywhere. And, um, it, but it was so meticulously done. The guys, I didn't realise this, that they brought in the SAS.
2: Yeah. Andy McNabb. Andy McNabb.
0: Was brought in to sort of teach them on the uh, shoot and, shoot and move um, I, tactics and how to hold the guns, how they to reload. Actually, how to,
2: they say it's so impeccable that it's presented to Marines as an example of military technique.
0: <laughs> like even Same now, voice holding down the whole entire police force,
2: and there's a bit where Kilmer does a military. What way is it described here? A military rapid reload, where yeah. he taps the magazine on the car bumper to to, <laughs> to do a speedier reload for a fucking. I mean, the, the guns they're using as well are fucking massive. It's credible. Yeah. I think we'll we'll play a wee bit of
0: audio before we finish up of the uh, of the noise of it because it's fucking. <laughs>
2: Those echoes. It's just, but uh, it's the level of realism. It's, yeah. it's described as hyper-realism. Like, they've storyboarded it. Obviously, you can't write a lot of script about... As should. did. And then yeah. you turn and around one, and then you shoot again, and then you <laughs> look over your shoulder. And you Even for again. an audio podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what they did was they went... Um, De Niro... Or Man Pacino, and Levine, from the perspective of the cops, went into the streets of LA and actually photographed, storyboarded it mm-hmm. in order to show what way they were going to be facing each time, okay. you know, as they jumped from car to car and the fact that all the cars only turn out to be like fucking like the, the when they're using like the, the body warmer sort of the bulletproof vest. Yeah, like it's just ripping through bullets are everywhere and the noise. And you're like, what? this is something it, I've never seen before. I mean, it's a it's a hefty long scene. That's a, a long scene. Mm-hmm. But from the side of the actual robbers from, you know, um, mccauley's gang they actually staked out a bank Mm. before filming and were got so good at it kilmer and sizemore and the boy were so good at it by the point they got to the film that they weren't noticed on the cameras of one of the banks (laughs) just what, and they were all in the bank for 15 minutes going from pillar to pillar behind people and people couldn't pick out and now this is val kilmer (laughs) tom sizemore robert de niro their faces you would notice anyway, yeah, and they couldn't tell the bank manager and the security company who man interviewed couldn't tell what actors were in the bank.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, if you are a decent actor, which they all are, and yeah. they're so legendary and they're in their own right, uh, I, I'm just thinking of it on the spot here. It kind of stands the sense that if somebody tells uh, somebody tells you here's where the cameras are, mm-hmm. they'll never look at them.
2: No. You know, an actor you'll will not look exactly, at the camera. you will know, always very good know point. how to
0: get around it. You know, sort you know if you're a good actor, you know what the camera can see mm-hmm. and how far it can see. Um so that's definitely I don't know that. That's, mm. uh, all the
2: boys were just so at least they have a career if they you know if I think everything well, else goes wrong Well Tom Seism- Tom Seismore wouldn't be much of a stretch, like considering his past, but John uh, Robert, no good for shouting out. No. Uh, You'd sort of spot him. <laughs> Is that Val Kilmer around the corner Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer's in, boys. <laughs> heat 2. Heat 2 on that point. Prequel novel. What? Man is writing a prequel novel. It's going to be out in April of next year. Based on? Heat. Based on what the boys were doing but, but, pre. Like, so Hannah and Macaulay again. The boys. Right. So what he's going to do is when they interviewed him about the book, he actually said, oh no, it's being filmed as well. And they went, what? And he goes, oh no, it I'm going to make this into a film. And then they went, so when's the film coming out? And he goes, ah, uh, actually, the way that streaming services are now, I don't, it might be a TV show. <laughs> and people were all like, uh, uh what? What? <laughs> so, he didn't even tease it, he just sort of, Yeah, my did. had a notion while he was sitting being interviewed, that he might film a prequel to Heat. Okay, no, no, be, fucking hell, that would be, which is fucking incredible.
0: Quite exciting. Uh, so yes, um, I mean we get to the final um, uh, scene, uh, which we'll not give anything away. So much um, happens
2: in that final ten minutes; it's, it's not, fucking unbelievable. It's only
0: then that Niro and Pacino you know, finally see each other again in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's one of those ones where it, you're sad, but you're 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 also sort of you're relieved, and it's also it's mixed emotions because you've got somebody gets what they want. Yeah. You know, they've said the whole way through ain't going back yeah um, and you know what? I always remember the final scenes at, a, at an airport LAX LAX and it's on the uh, on the runway so it's the sort of the final sort of uh, shot is used the lights of the plane or the lights of yeah. the thing is used with the
2: Moby music the only mu- Moby song that's actually good yeah apart from the second best Moby song is the one we play in the intro which isn't even a Moby song it's a it's a Joy Division song yeah which is, is New just Dawn Fade yeah
0: <laughs> Um, so, I mean, if you get a chance, I don't know where it is available to stream at the moment. Don't
2: get that Definitive Director's if Blu-ray. It's get the Blu-ray. stuff d- And you get to hear Val Kilmer do his wee ducky voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, which which is the finest ducky voice you will ever and hear.
0: I don't know if it's been restored to 4K, has it? I don't know. Either
2: there's a 4K one coming or out. I'm not um, sure. The
0: Blu-ray So you're into 7.1 surround sound at that stage. <laughs> I shootout saying the, the nags will be tanned your neighbours are bringing the cops Yeah, are fucking under attack
2: man says at the end of the film you don't know who you're rooting for that's what I was going to say and it's you real you I really don't know who you're rooting for anymore he,
0: he obviously uh, was more uh, succinct in how to put it across but as I was saying it was like a weird thing you didn't know if you were don't, upset or you were happy And
2: but also that's the reason he says that people keep going back to it yeah because you're trying your best to push away that uh, criminal side but you still get to that point where De Niro's sitting at that coffee shop. Like, <laughs> your doll is trying her best. Edie's trying her best just to have a wee conversation with a normal human being. She's just a southern girl. <laughs> and he's like, why do you want to know so much about me, lady? <laughs> what a what a Lothario you are. <laughs> Neil Macaulay. <laughs> like, she's just, just this nice young woman. Yeah, He's no prospect. He's nobody looking to love him like... No. And he's and pushing he away, and he ain't looking to love anybody. No, you ain't looking to love anybody.
0: But you know yourself, bro.
2: When love comes calling, yeah, you got to You got to answer the door of love. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, <laughs> how long? Bringing that heat. What Michael Mann strived to do was create a highly structured, realistic symphonic drama. But what he managed to achieve was craft a masterpiece that defies and transcends genre. Well, I'll be damned. There you go. Thank you very much. Thank folks. you. Thank love you, everybody. You again,
1: bringing that heat.